Uh, I'm going to try and do this quickly, so if you've got your Bible on your phone or in your hand, uh, a, a paper version of the Bible, open it to Acts chapter 1. Um, uh, two weeks ago, uh, Pastor Dave Carson was here on Pentecost Sunday, and uh, he spoke about the coming of the Holy Spirit. Then because of the timing, we had Tracy Osborne here last week, who, um, I, I mean, I, we didn't say it like this, but she... She ministered also in the power of the Holy Spirit in a way that I know many people were touched and encouraged. It was a, a, a couple of great weeks. Um, and so I want to continue in this vein of being filled uh, with the Spirit. And I think it's important, and I, I hope to point that out to you. I hope that we all um, can lay hold of the importance of being filled with the Spirit and continually seeking to be filled with the Spirit. Acts chapter 1, I'm going to read verses uh, 4 and 5 um, and uh, verse 8, and then I'm going to uh, go to chapter 2 and read uh, 1 to 4. Um, Four and five. Uh, Jesus has presented himself after his resurrection to his disciples. And it says, gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which, he said, you heard of from me. For John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now, at the end of this encounter, Jesus ascends to the Father, and it says that he had met with them after his resurrection for about 40 days, and then he left, and about 10 days later is when this took place. So he just says here, not many days from now. So they don't know how, what that might mean. Sometimes when God says not long from now, he might mean 50 years. But in this case, he meant 10 days. Verse 8 um, He says, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Verse 8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, even to the remotest part of the earth. Then in chapter 2, it says, and when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together again in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire, distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance, or the uh, NIV says, as the Spirit enabled them. They were speaking uh, as in other languages as the Holy Spirit enabled them. Now, why keep preaching about the Holy Spirit year after year? What we Almost every year, we come around to this, and there's an emphasis on the Holy Spirit. And, you know, why keep preaching on Christmas? year after year, or Easter, year after year. Why preach about Jesus year after year, week after week? Because there's always more, right? We need to be renewed. We need to grow. We need to continue to hear and be challenged afresh. And has anybody here ever heard a word about something like forgiveness? And for a short time, you're like, oh, yeah, that's primary. And then over You know, a little while you realize, oh, I've allowed bitterness back in. I sort of forgot about forgiveness or whatever it might be. Well, the Holy Spirit, 
why do we keep hearing, teaching, preaching about the Holy Spirit year after year? Because living in the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, walking with the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit, being empowered by Him, growing in the Spirit, uh, being immersed in Him, being sanctified by Him. These are all scriptural things. Led by the Spirit, renewed by the Spirit, hearing the Spirit, um, being taught, convicted, guided, strengthened by Him in the truth. We need these... In, in John 7, it talks about, it, Jesus says, rivers of living water will flow out of your innermost being. And the next verse says, this he spoke regarding the Holy Spirit. We need and we get to have rivers of living water flowing out of us. That was about the Holy Spirit. It is not, he is not, and being filled with him that is not a once-for-all experience, right? This thing we just read in the day of Pentecost was not the one big event and then it was over. It's not a one-time thing or even an annual thing. Oh, every year at the, on the day of Pentecost, we hear about the Holy Spirit and great, we got topped up and we go for another year. It's not a month-to-month thing or even a day-to-day thing. It's a moment-to-moment thing to be filled with the Spirit. Amen? Anybody? You, you need them. You, you, you know, in life, you know, I can think of a time back not long before I got married where I went through a discouragement. And I remember in this time, there'd be moments where I would be filled and I'd be kind of, okay, you know, I think I've got a handle on it. And then later that day, like within the same day, it's like, oh, I, I forgot what, I couldn't quite remember what it was that kind of, you know, um, kept me up for a bit. And so I, I needed more. I needed to keep. Well, we, it might not always be that desperate. That, that would be really uh, tiresome. But being filled with the Spirit is an hour to hour, moment by moment, second by second, ongoing, constant experience. Amen? Something we need. Now, how do you want to live? How do you want to live? Getting topped up, filled with the Spirit, and then just go until you're empty? Not me. I want to be filled up. I want more. I want lots. I don't want to wait till, you know, the empty light is on and I'm just pushing it. You know, that thing, driving somewhere long distance. And, okay, it's been 108 kilometers since the light came on. And, you know, how many have ever actually run out of gas? It's not cool, is it? You know, it's not cool to do that. Uh, it's inconvenient. You gotta do it. I don't want to do it spiritually. Well, it's better to pull in and fill up before you get emptied. And it's like, okay, here we are. I got forgiven. I got baptized in Christ. I got adopted into the family of God uh, as His Son. Uh, baptized in the Holy Spirit. Oh, what a glorious experience. It really was. It was something supernatural took place. And I've been basking in the glory of it now for about 37 years. That is not the will of God. Basking in the glory of it from 37 years ago, or 25, or 12, or four months, or two weeks since Dave Carson. It's not, it's not God's will. If you're trying to survive on last year's infilling, I, I want to 
warn you, you won't do it. If you're trying to survive on last month's infilling, what'll happen? You'll wither, you'll wilt, you'll waste away until there's little difference between you and someone who's never received Christ. Really? Is it that serious? Oh, it is. It is. It's that serious. We would not try to eat one meal physically per week. No way. From Sunday to Sunday. That's the only time I'm going to eat is once a week. What will happen? You will be weak. You might survive for a little while, but you'll be weak. Same result spiritually. So, again and again and again, year after year, week after week, day after day, moment by moment, we feed our souls on the life-giving words of God and seek to be filled with His promised and sent Holy Spirit who the Father sent to glorify Jesus, to reveal Jesus to us, and to be Christ in us. To be with us forever. That's the will of God, is that He be in us, always present, always actively flowing as rivers of living water from our innermost being. That's in John 7, 37-39, if you ever want to look it up. God in us and with us, flowing in and through us. Uh, I just want to turn for a second. He'll... Jesus says at the end of the book of Matthew, Matthew 28, the Great Commission, he speaks that, and then he says these words. We know this. He says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And then he doesn't leave it there. He doesn't end it. He says, And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. But then it says he departed. So how is He with us? In the person of the Holy Spirit. He's the one that's with us and in us. And in John, uh, got it written, in John 14, it says, He'll be with us forever. The Holy Spirit. So, how many disciples are in here? How many in here would say, I believe in Jesus, I'm a disciple of Christ, a follower? Yeah. Disciples? Ask for it. Ask to be filled. Ask and keep asking God to fill you with His Spirit. That's not just preaching. I want to urge you, if you're a disciple, every day make it a point of uh, determination that every day, and then keep trying to go into smaller increments every hour, God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. God, would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? Ask Him and keep on asking. In Luke 11, verses 9 to 13, there is a, Jesus tells a parable and, uh, about a man, you've probably heard this, he tells about someone knocking on his neighbor's door late at night and he says, hey, somebody came to visit me and I need some bread. And the guy says, my kids and I are already in bed. I can't get up and give it to you because it's late. And it says, even though the man won't give him what he needs because he's his friend, he will get up and give it to him because the guy won't leave. He stays. He's, he is shamelessly, which is the word, he shamelessly keeps 
knocking. No, really, a, a good friend is here and i got to give him something to eat. Well, he should have got something earlier. Yeah, that's probably true, but I don't have it now. I need you to get up and give me. Oh, for crying out loud. Okay, here. You know, you, that could be the end of a friendship in the world. But in this case, Jesus then goes on to say, and he's pointing back to that illustration or parable, whatever you would call it. He says, we need to ask and keep asking persistently. We need to seek and keep seeking. We need to knock and keep knocking. And it seems like kind of a general thing. You think, okay, spiritually, God, I'm asking for you. I'm seeking. But at the end of that whole section, it says, Jesus then says to them, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. And here's a cool thing. That word ask is the, the tense of that word is continuous. It means to ask and persist in asking. To ask and keep asking. It doesn't mean I asked, I didn't get it. Gosh, what could I do? I thought God said he'd do it. No. I, you know, some people are, are kind of shameless and they seem nervy. You know, at times I've thought, boy, that is a nervy person. I, I knew one guy, he was, you know, a pretty gentle kind of guy and not very, not, not bold in a, you know, sort of typical way. And yet, boy, he had nerve. He could ask for things in a way that was sort of like, I'd be kind of embarrassed. And, you know, it's sort of, even bothers me, you know, like I know people in some cultures are used to things like, uh, uh, not bartering exactly, but you know, when they haggle, they go to buy something and it's like they're not embarrassed to just sort of, oh, you can do better. And I'm, I'm sort of, oh, that's, that's a pretty good discount. Thanks, I'll take it. You know, and it's like, no, you know, it's like, you know, Evelyn would ask. <laughs> You know, I once went, there was a yard sale happening or a flea market. And when Rose would bargain at yard sales, no, no, okay, I won't. She could do it in those settings. Not anymore. Not anymore, okay. She was more, more hardcore at that time. But some people, I know that it's also a cultural thing, right? There is a thing where in some cultures, they put the price, and if you don't bargain, they're almost like, what's wrong with you? I gave you the price. You were supposed to now try and go down like it's a sport or something. Well, here, God is saying, this is important for us. Ask and keep asking. He wants to give. We're not asking because he's like, we're twisting his arm and somehow... Oh, gosh, they just won't leave me alone. No, he uses that to say, ask persistently, keep asking, because, you know, whatever the timing of it, but ask and get. He wants to give the Holy Spirit to his children, to his disciples, to his followers. He wants to do it. He says in Psalm 84, 11, no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. There is no good thing like the Holy Spirit. He wants to give him to us. So we ask, and we ask again. God, I asked you yesterday, I'm back! Do you ever feel maybe a little funny about asking God for something small? 
oh, somebody's got a serious illness, I'll ask for them. But I feel kind of funny asking that I've got a bit of a cold. Why? Why? God, you can do it. I'm asking you to, I, I don't want this either. I don't want this small thing. And when it comes to the Holy Spirit, I'm asking you, God, keep me filled with the Holy Spirit. When I recognize that I haven't asked for an hour, remind me so I'll ask again. Keep doing it. Keep asking. That's the kind of disciple that I want to be. And actually, that is the kind of disciple that God wants. Filled up disciples. Spirit-filled disciples. Spirit-led disciples. Spirit-empowered. Spirit-energized. Spirit-revived. Spirit-strengthened. Does that sound good to anybody but me? I want it. And I'm going to ask for it. A God-honoring, Christ-reflecting, abundant life-experiencing disciples. Somebody who's constantly filled with the Holy Spirit. Look again. Well, I'll just go to these. I'm going to do them quickly because of what time it is. It says on the day of Pentecost, in verse 4, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then over in uh, chapter 4, verse 8, it says... This is, who knows how long, you know, a a day, a week, a few weeks. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, he's filled again. Verse 31, the same chapter. And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They were filled again. These were people that had been filled. Now they've been filled again. Chapter 6, verse 3. A select, uh, a select from among you, brethren, seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and of wisdom, whom we may put in charge of this task. Chapter 7, verse 55. P, uh, Stephen is about to be martyred. It says, they, you know, they're, they're cut to the quick by his testimony. They're gnashing their teeth. And it says, but Stephen, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed intently into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand. Stephen did this. Chapter 13, verse 9 of the book of Acts. Um, Saul, who was also known as Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, fixed his eyes upon somebody and spoke to them. Uh, Verse 52 of uh, chapter 13. And the disciples were continually filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. God wants us to be disciples who are full of the Holy Spirit. Amen? He, he desires that for us. He knows that we need it. It's not enough to live off of a one-time thing. This is to be the norm for Christians. Dave Carson said it when he was here. And I, th- I think this is vital. Being immersed in the Holy Spirit Being filled with the Spirit is not something for the spiritual elite. It's supposed to be normal Christianity. It's for all. On the day of Pentecost, when Peter preached, and it says, you know, in a matter of minutes, 3,000 people got saved. He had said to them, when they said, what do we need to do? They were convicted. What do we need to do? And he said, repent and be baptized and you will receive the Holy Spirit. Listen to what he says. Promise is for you. You'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is for you and for your children 
and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord will call to Himself. It's like normal Christianity is supposed to be Spirit-filled Christianity. The abundance of the Spirit. The excess of the Spirit. Without Him, He's, he's not an extra or an add-on. Oh, the, we get the Holy Spirit. Oh, I have the deluxe model Christianity. You know, I have the, you know, the, the super, uh, whatever, the uber version of, uh, of Christianity. No, that's just normal. That's just supposed to be the way it is. Without Him, we have only empty religion where Jesus is a wonderful historical figure. And we're always looking back. Really? That sounds like I'm really minimizing what Jesus did. No, not at all. But if we're only ever looking back at what Jesus did 2,000 years ago, how is it relevant? Oh, the Holy Spirit comes. He makes it relevant, pertinent to our lives and to those around us. So that when we speak to somebody about Christ, it's real. There's conviction there. Something touches them and they want it. What the Holy Spirit does in our spirit, our spirit is the seat of life in Christ, not our intellect. This is important, but what we have in Christ is not just an understood philosophy. What we have is new life, a regenerate spirit, and the Holy Spirit is continually dwelling in, flowing in, renewing, engaging with our spirit. That's what we need to have, relational oneness with Him. Okay, we're spirit-filled, He's a personal reality to us. And he makes Jesus a personal reality to us. But that's not even the extent of the Holy Spirit's work in the world. And because it's what time it is, I'm going to pick up on that thought next week. I want to talk to you next week, and if you can be here, about what the Holy Spirit does beyond a personal level. Because it's really important for each of us as followers, to have the Holy Spirit, to grow in Him, that personal level, but there's something greater. Something, no, no, that's the wrong way to say it. Something beyond. I didn't mean greater as in, that's not extraordinary. But He doesn't just deal with us as individuals. There's a work in the world, and I want to talk about it next week because of what time it is. But today, um, ah, today is the last Sunday that our precious sister Evelyn is with us. Evelyn arrived in this church at the beginning of December, and I love it when people come into a community and don't just stay on the fringes. I love it when people engage and they just become part of the fabric of the church. And that said, I haven't stopped praying that God will bring Evelyn and her husband back to Vancouver forever. Right. Or at least until we go to heaven. Amen. Um, she has been working here um, on a... It was supposed to be a one-year term before she could... reach. And I realize her husband's in Calgary, so she wants to go back, but... We're here, um, and I've been praying that Moses will come here. Many of you have met Moses, wonderful couple. Well, Evelyn got her transfer back to Calgary sooner than expected. And we love you, Evelyn, and we want to pray over you. 
And um, when we're done praying, I've already asked a couple of guys, they're going to kidnap her, go <laughs> lock her somewhere until Moses comes and we can lock him here too and keep them here. We want to pray over you and bless you. So here's what we're going to do. Uh, Evelyn, why don't you, um, do you have anything? Do you want to say some things to the church? Good. Praise God. So, I was planning one year actually, and um, it's just another, it's just like Shavin's um, ex, um, testimony. It is a big testimony for me too, because I arrived Canada three years ago from the Middle East, and I have a master's degree, and I was, I, I did the skilled immigration so I am skilled to work in Canada. That's what he said. So we did that and we came. And we couldn't find a job in our field, especially in Calgary. It was a bad time, 2016. And everybody said, you have to go back to school, have the Canadian experience in school before you can get anything in your field. And I said, I'm not going to go back to school again. Why, sh- why do I have to go back to school to study anything when I already have at least a certain level of education that can place me in a company here in Canada? I said, God, I'm, I, I pray to God, I'm not going to go back to school. You're going to work it out for me, and you're going to give me a job in my field, and I will, I don't know how you'll do it, but you will do it, right? So I worked in a warehouse, hard labor for two years to survive with my husband and everything. And I just met a lady in another church. She makes hair. And I went to her house. I called her three, four times, five times. She didn't pick her call. One day she just picked her call. I want to make my hair. I went to do that. And she's like, what are you doing here in Canada? I'm like, "Mm, I work in a warehouse. Then I told her my story, like generally. And she said, don't worry, you'll get a job. That's what she said. And after... She had finished. She said, I work in this company. Call me. She's a Nigerian woman that works in the company where I'm working now. And, and that was it. It was just four months. In the period of four months, I got this job. And they said, well, you're going to come to Richmond. I'm like, where is Richmond? I started looking for, I didn't know where it was because I was just thinking I was going to be in the Calgary office. But it brought me here. And they said, okay, one year, then you can decide if you want to go to Calgary again or if you... I'm like, okay, that's in the policy of the company. It's one year. How God did six months, I don't know. I am not... I do not know how God did it. But it also shows... It just shows how God works. You know, especially when you want something. And there's nothing beyond serving God my friends. You have to do that. I mean, you can't just sit down and not do something. That is what he sees. I'm not saying that you can bribe him, but that's what he sees, your works. When you are, like, determined to serve him in spirit and in truth, no pretense. Just do the right thing that God wants you to do. And you'll see everything, like, falling in place for you. This is just my word for you as a church today. My church in Calgary was praying that I should come back, actually. So while you guys were praying, they were praying to us. <laughs> and it's a small church like this. We're going to fast. 
It's exactly this size, as in we're not that many two in Calgary. But Pastor, Pastor John and Pastor Andrew, the same kind of people. I was like, and Rose too, I'm like, why? The same kind of people, like that place and here. But it has been an awesome time worshiping with you guys. I will boast when I get back to Calgary about you people. 